Namaste. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to be in this bhumi, Punya bhumi. As it is uh, to be anywhere where she has set her feet. The sign that the mother has set her feet is that that place, that land, that piece of matter, that lump of clay awakens to her love. Faith is born, gratitude, the flame of gratitude is kindled. That is the sign that she has set her feet. Of course, in a certain sense, the whole universe can be measured, as Shurabindu says, by a single ray of her sun. Yet, she chooses some special spots, some special places, moments of time, through which the eternal plays, that's his play, his will. And this place, I'm sure most of us, all of us feel, is a special place. So first of all, gratitude. I've been asked to speak on the mother's final arrival. We are celebrating the centenary. And there are various ways that we all over the world celebrate the centenary. But I am reminded of a message in 1972 when Shurabindu's centenary was being celebrated. The mother says, to express our gratitude to Shurabindu, we can do nothing better than to be a living example of his teachings. So I suppose much more than any external manifestation, they are, they are needed, they are part of the totality. Most important is the inner preparedness, the readiness to receive her, to express her, to manifest her. Not only through some special activities, but as we know, through each and every activity. It's a very uh, long program she has given us. But what else is worth living for, if not this? <laughs> so, when we say that she has come, she has arrived all the details of a physical coming we all know. They are well known. They are published. But what is important is to ask only one question. And that question is, are we ready to receive her? She has arrived, but are we ready? We have some very interesting stories in Indian thought. Shabri was ready to receive Rama because of her devotion and bhakti and faith. Vidur was ready to receive Krishna, not Duryodhana, because the readiness to receive the divine is, one is when we are wanting the divine for something which he can give us. But the true readiness is to receive the divine for the sake of the divine. That is the difference. When Arjuna and Duryodhana go, both go to the divine, Duryodhana asks for the army. Whereas Shri Krishna asks, uh, Arjuna asks only for Shri Krishna, alone, without any instrument to fight, he would only hold the reins of his chariot. And Shobhita says, if you have a choice between the world on one side with all its armies and Krishna alone on one side, unarmed, choose Krishna. So each of these moments, these centenaries are a reminder that are we really ready to receive the divine? In our life, in our thought, in our speech, in our actions, in our feelings. What are the conditions? There is only one condition that the divine lays before us. <laughs> only one. Nothing less, nothing more. It's there in one of Sri writings. I think it is in April 1908, he says there is only one condition that the mother lays. What is the condition? He says to give yourself completely. <laughs> and then he adds nothing less, nothing more. And then he says that why does the divine want you to give yourself to him? We read in one of the messages, true surrender enlarges you. So that when the vessel is emptied, he can pour in. Otherwise, he comes into the house and the house is cluttered, filled with a hundred things. So how will the divine come? There has to be a welcome. 
So it is for the welcome of the Lord, for the Divine Mother. So beautifully, Shobindu says in our of God, for the lamp must be trimmed. There he puts it in the other way that for the lamp is not trimmed, then what happens? The lamp must be trimmed and kept ready for the welcome of the Lord. The oil must have been poured. So to welcome the Divine Mother is what we need to know and what we need to always contemplate upon, reflect upon. So what does she come? She comes to ask us, are you ready? That's the, her message 50 years, 51 years back. Are you ready? It is the hour of God. So what is the hour of God? Her coming is an hour of God. If we look back 100 years back, we see that when mother came, what came trailing behind her? A whole upheaval, the whole earth rose in revolt. And it rose in double, triple revolt. We know about the war. We also know about the Spanish flu. We know the utter depravity that happened in human nature. And what was happening all over the world. So divine's coming. Everything rises in revolt. The same thing happens within human nature. When the divine comes, sets its feet. All the desires, all the things which are hidden inside us. The subconscious elements. The snakes, the pythons, the scorpions, all the jinns and ghosts of the past, they suddenly come up and say, no, we don't want. Why? Because the coming of the divine means, very simply, very squarely, the end of the reign of the ego. She says that about the new creation. She says... Only one thing is needed. She says the hour to be heroic. The same thing about giving, she puts it in another way. It is the hour to be heroic and she says to heroism is not what we understand. Heroism is to be ready to lose everything. It is the hour to be heroic and she says that tell your ego, your hour is gone. She doesn't even say if, but, nothing. Tell your ego, its hour is gone. So how does the ego operate? It has its own, it has created a construct of ourselves. We all have a wonderful image of ourselves. <laughs> and that image is carried in the pocket in terms, in the form of a visiting card. And in our heads, as a puffed up, I am something and somebody. In the heart, I am a bhakta of the Lord. Ravana also thought like that once. I am the greatest bhakta of the Lord. Till the Lord literally made him surrender with all his ten heads at his feet and says, now you are a bhakta. Until now, you only thought you are a bhakta. But he had to keep his man, no, he has said, I am a bhakta of the Lord. So he said, okay, I'll teach you what is bhakti. With all the ten heads, he lies down at the Lord's feet. The conversion of Ravana is, is the acme of bhakti. That's how Nalinda writes in one of his articles. So, the mother's coming, when she came 100 years back, we were not ready to receive her. And we could have an excuse. Why? Because the famous book, wonderful book, The Mother was not yet, it had not seen the light of the day. <laughs> Nobody knew who is the mother. What did she do when she came? How does she operate? She took everybody's problems upon her body. She came hidden under the veils of physical matter, thick, dense matter. And that matter became on one side a shield for us human beings because she drew all our problems directly into herself. Shubhinda says that so far it has been granted to her because of her prayer to the divine that let all the difficulties of those who are around me, who love me, who follow me, let them, all their difficulties come to me. And Shurabindu says, and so far it has been granted to her. That is her prayer. Let all desires of the earth enter into me. So on one side, she came with this coat of matter, so that she could be in that kind of contact and absorb everything within us. Because there has to be a contact point. That's why the divine becomes human, wears a human cloak. Otherwise there will be no contact. Imagine the divine coming in all his purity and splendor. No meeting point. <laughs> so she wears the coat 
of falsehood and passes through the gates of death. That's how Shivinder describes that she enters into that so that she can absorb everybody's challenges, difficulties, problems and at the same time and annihilate them and at the same time we can receive something through the physical contact because that's the only thing we understand. Very often people have a lot of debates about the divine in form and without form and some people whose ego doesn't want to surrender they prefer the divine who is formless. If you look at it very simply, especially prayer, why should we pray? God is inside. Sohamasmi. Basically, it's because there is a lack of humility. There is an arrogance. We, it's easy. Formless divine means anything you can... So the divine comes in form to facilitate the surrender of our... Even physical being, that is the beauty of the divine coming in form. But then... That Leela goes for a period of time. But then comes a time when she withdraws from the physical surface. And when the divine withdraws from the physical surface, it means one thing, the shield on which she was taking everything, that is taken away. It means now a direct action. Hoping that within this period, mankind is prepared enough to be able to receive her. That's why we see the last messages of the mother. Men, countries, continent, the choice is imperative, truth or the abyss. It is the hour of God. Are you ready? She is constantly reminding us, see, look here now, better be prepared. I have trained you in every way. <laughs> now, there, there is a new unfolding of the Leela. So, 100 years down the line, now when the mother arrives, it means a far greater impact upon earth, upon our lives because she is no more coming in that cloak of she is coming as the tremendous Shakti energy the form but the formless form one in which the two are united and yet the same mother whom we can approach as a human being Nalini Das that famous vision she is at once divine and human when she wears a thick cloak of humanity we look at only the human aspect. How did the earth respond to that? So many questions. Who is she? Why is she come here? And Shobindo had to give all kind, all the replies. Now she comes in her splendor, in her radiant glory, in her supramental form. And now we have to receive her in a different way. Fundamentals are the same. Humility, surrender, aspiration, faith. But the impact that is going to take place upon earth, which we can already see, is going to be much more positive impact. <laughs> Fortunately, because many of the forces have been annihilated, forces of darkness. But the impact, the play of the Shakti will be tremendous. And we can already see that happening. If you look at the world, all around, we can see not one place since 1914 onwards. Watch the way nation units are responding. It's almost like all over the world, there is some kind of a revolt or the other of different kinds, in different countries, in different ways, places where one could never imagine. Hong Kong, last one could think was that there would be an uprising there from Egypt till right up to, you know, all the countries are suddenly as if the mother is coming. So all the forces are trying, but we must know that now it is a losing game. When she came, it was not yet the decisive battle. She came for the decisive battle, but if you want to put it in earthly terms, the fate of earth hanged in balance. That is how Shubhinda put it. When he was asked, he said, well, this much is sure that the earth will be saved. But as to human beings... Well, the mother has left the fate hanging in the balance and I can do nothing else but the same. What did it mean? It's a very, one of his most powerful uh, letters. It means, earth will be saved. But from whom? Whether humanity... He says, the mother has left it hanging. That means they came armed with such a mandate. 
that even if humanity were to be smashed, still the new creation will take place. Can we just imagine? And yet, humanity is the step. It would have meant a lot of time, lot of loss, lot of wastage. And that's why out of compassion she wants, let it be through the human. Because human beings are meant to be the bridge. We are meant to be that bridge. So she arrives now and she asks the same question. Is your heart's fire ready? That poem, The Dream Boat. And now she is not knocking at the door and asking us, Would you open the door and come with me? She is smashing through the doors. The roofs are blown up. And I can see this such such ways. Last two years, uh, one year, almost. Massive shifts taking place all over the earth. It's not one place. All over the earth, massive shifts. As if the power is working with such a tremendous speed. We can't understand it because our idea of shifts are only what is comfortable to me. When divine coming means I will have a better house, I will have better, you know, more servants, more money, more. This is our idea of God's boons. But first thing he does is he strips bare, throw it off, throw it off. Something new I have to bring for you. That is the difficult part. Because we are not ready for that. So she comes and we have to be ready. She has already come. She is active, working at tremendous speed, far into the future. Actually, if I really sense with my inmost sense, I feel that she has gone far into the future. Tens of thousands of years ahead, humanity has been, the fate of earth has been fixed and decided. And there are many incidents. As often I have spoken about it, 56, then 1962, when she said the deed is done, the decisive battle. Now this is another very interesting event that took place. 56, we all speak about the supramental manifestation. And she knew man is not ready, this power will crush him. At one place she says, when Pradyodha went and asked the mother, Mother, what's happening in Bengal? No, I am not talking of the elections now, but you know, then. So she says, my child... What can I do? I have given the charge to the supermind. It is truth consciousness. It doesn't care. It's not going to ask you. It is truth consciousness. So truth consciousness means not the way we understand truth. Our idea of truth is what I spoke, what I thought, even what my intent. This is our idea of truth. But truth is that which must be. That which is ingrained within our soul, that which is the divine will in us, if you want to put it in one single sentence, that which is the divine will in us is alone truth. All the rest is coatings, coverings and you know all kinds of things that we imagine. That will is manifesting itself through men, countries, continents. So she knew it's not easy, human beings, because... You know, once it comes, hypocrisy will be driven out. She said that, all these things. So what, what she did was, she knew there is only one thing which can save human beings. In fact, this was a question she was asked. Edwards forces, hostile forces, you speak of all these asuras, why don't you smash them out? She says, yes. If I do it, all of you will be smashed out. Because Asura is not somewhere outside. It is not that, that is Asura, I am a Deva. Shubhinda makes it very clear in essays on the Gita. After revealing the qualities, he says, man is an Asura by birth. It is through spiritual conversion that he becomes godlike. So, we feed him all the time in our thoughts, in our feelings. We inject his poison into our veins. So, if she smashes life that is supported by this, so out of their infinite compassion, they were not doing it and would not do it. But at some point, this had to happen. Because supermind is going to this, is going to become more and more active. And see this string of important events from 1914, 2014 onwards, 2020, 2022, 2026, 2028. All centenaries are coming. So she... Out of her infinite love, knew that there is only one safety for human beings, and that is the divine love. So we see in 1962, she manifests the divine love. That's when she says the deed is done. 
<laughs> Why this was necessary? Because super mind is capable of doing it because it is that divine love which is the great cushion, the divine love which will convert the adversary. Otherwise, he doesn't agree. He says, "You finish me now. This is the game plan." The adversary says, "Okay, you kill me." So, killing the adversary means much of life is destroyed. You know, it's like I take this example of those people who. Uh, you may have heard about it when there was this Pathan Court incident when they were terrorists inside. You know about how these um, suicide bombers, what do they do? They even plant bombs on their body in such a way that if they are killed, then whoever goes near them, if it turns the body, it will explode, killing at least few people. That's how one of the lieutenant colonels, the only loss was because of that. So this is special training, don't do this. But he in his excitement. So that is how they say, okay, kill me. But if you finish me, the entire range of humanity will go through an upheaval. So she brought in divine love, which will, which alone is the power. When she was asked, what is that power, that great secret which can convert them? And she spoke of divine love. And we see in 1962, the divine love manifesting and then rest of the events, 69, Superman and everything was done. So now all this she has done. And she has come to us. So what is the way we receive her? First of all, nothing fundamental has changed. That's what we see in Nalnida's vision. She remains the same humanly divine mother. We can approach her just the same. The difference is, when she is there in the physical body, we saw her with the eyes of the body. Now we have to see her with the eyes of faith. And history of spiritual history of mankind is a witness to the fact that the eyes of faith don't go wrong. The mortal eyes can make a mistake. There were people who saw her with the mortal eyes and yet would raise questions. Who is she? Why is she here? And some well-known instances whom obviously we don't want to talk about. But the eyes of faith. So this eye has to be awakened inside to receive her with these eyes of faith. With gratitude. Gratitude for what? Often people think gratitude means this happened in my life, that happened in my life. But gratitude is not about this happened in my life or that happened in my life. Gratitude is because life happened. Just imagine, because we are living, we can realize the divine. If there was no life, there is nothing like divine realization. Often people say, what was the necessity? Are the joy of the journey. Look at, just imagine... That you are anticipating, expecting, going to meet the ananda of the union through a long process. Sometimes the loss, sometimes the danger, sometimes the charm, how he draws us. And when we look at the entire history of mankind, it is for this one moment of her coming. As Shubhinda puts it in his poem, Krishna, for this one moment lived the ages past. The world now throbs fulfilled in me at last. So all this preparation that mankind has gone through and may yet go through is to receive her. What else is required to receive her? Tilak, Chandan, Topi, Mala? Outdated. Should I do ascetic practices? Should I every day get up in the morning at 3 o'clock, do all my ablutions, take a bath and sit bolt straight? She says it has no value in the eyes of the divine. Should I follow all the moral religious injunctions? Well, it will puff off your ego. But what the divine values, she says that very beautifully in one of her writings. Wideness, plasticity, equanimity. A heart, a mind, a life force, which is too narrow, even a body. How can the body become narrow? It's the same body. A body which cannot adjust and adapt to the... You see what is happening today? One of the things which is happening because of travel and because of the bombardment of all kinds of material, the human body is compelled to adapt to a massively changing scenario. It is compelled to become plastic. And just any travel... Of course, transcontinental travel. But otherwise, we'll teach you. And if you travel in India on trains, you pakka will develop plasticity. Take trains from Delhi to Pondicherry and back. You need two journeys. Crash course in yoga. 
take a second class ticket you don't have to even pay hefty price crash course in yoga yeah. <laughs> isn't it <laughs> you don't have to think about how to practice equanimity you will develop equanimity <laughs> so and, and if you have the guts and courage in general compartment <laughs> then by the time you have traveled if somebody says equanimity is i i know that <laughs> <laughs> we guys in india are meant for yoga you see everything in india is designed for yoga <laughs> so <laughs> you cannot live if you want to live with bhoga you can't live here you know people who want bhoga they get very soon very tired and say you are this india this that they want to go abroad but they will still continue to live here huh because there is no welcome <laughs> welcome out there But the moment you say I want to do yoga, you will see people coming, despite everything. So Indian life is designed like that. So equanimity, meaning thereby, life will offer all kinds of fruits, bitter and sweet. Shubhendu's that poem, the divine worker, how beautifully writes. Fortune is thy passage, victory is thy passage, mirrored through fortune's glass. Failure is cradled on thy deathless arms. Look at these lines. Failure is cradled on thy deathless arms. Victory is thy passage mirrored through fortune's glass. So when we start looking at life, and we get rid of this idea that life is not about victory and success, it's not about uh, victory and defeat, success and failure. All these are all our inventions, all inventions of the ego. There is no reality. the divine doesn't give any importance to all these things imagine going to him and saying you know lord i am a failure he was fine okay okay <laughs> take it easy <laughs> are you going to say you know i am a very successful man you say okay <laughs> i know <laughs> he is the only one <laughs> success and failure victory and defeat good and bad all these egos dual things they all collapse before him because they have no reality this is only the mind which has conjured it pleasure and pain shubhendu says both pleasure and pain dive into absolute bliss so equanimity plasticity wherever she will send us whatever work she will assign us to works which are simply sweeping his temple floors in silent adoration or a work where we have to fight amid shrapnels flying here and there for the great consummation of his battle in humanity that's you know fight the battle for the great consummation of the divine in humanity that is plasticity and the third thing he says is wideness so equanimity plasticity and wideness at every level so this is how we welcome the mother and most importantly to get rid of this biggest burden we as human beings carry in our life only human beings carry animals don't carry this is the burden of the ego self identity all constructs of nature me my personality my surname all these things big burden it's like a heavy and then the biggest problem with such things is first you have acquired it now you want to preserve it it's like you are given a treasure which you don't know whether it is valuable or not you know some people old time you know what this is a coin from akbar's times i have seen it it's worth maybe nickel <laughs> akbar raja ke zamane ka hai is coin and then very nicely you know keeping it inside a box so i asked you know when i saw this i said but why are you keeping it so carefully chor aake le jayega wo zamana ka are le jayega tell him take let the thief come and take it what is its value like that we preserve the ego identity as if it is something very precious holding on to and she is going to strip us bare of it the story of the gopis shurvindu says very beautifully each one sees what they carry within themselves and he says the mystic sees in this story of gopis stripping themselves 
you know, when the Lord has ro- um, you know, robbed their clothes, they see in this story a beautiful mystic symbol where the robe of sin and the robe of virtue are all gone. And you say, I am here just as I am. The world may call me bad or the world may call me good, but I am yours. And she says, she judges not. And the other, but she says, the Pharisee will see in it, oh, see, God doing all these things. What a shameful, sinful. And then he says, each brings in the scripture his own interpretation. As we are within, we see outside. And the other story is the story of Draupadi. So his, we are going to be stripped bare of all these defenses of the ego. That's the hour of God. That's the only thing Shurabindu cautions us. Each defense, once each insincerity of nature, once thy defense against the eye of the master becomes now a gap in thy armor and invites a blow. So when blows come, it is basically to strip us of this ego defenses till we can utterly belong to God. So this is the preparation needed now. Outwardly we may do all kinds of programs. I see it happening. Seminars, talks, all kinds of big things. But the real big thing is not these things. The real big thing is what happens inside. One little victory, chipping of the ego, just a little. This is the big thing. One may have a big seminar and all kinds of people come and speak and each one comes and goes back. See, what a great person I am. How many people came to listen? <laughs> There's a very, you know, nice story about it. Of course, we know when Udarda had gone abroad and some people told him, told the mother, you know, Ma, he has become like a guru. Oh, is it? Come, Udar. So Udar goes, yes, mother. Is it true? What mother? That people, you have become a guru? He says, no, no, no mother. Not at all true. Good. Otherwise I would smash your ego. Put it on the head. So we have to be full of humility. It is our safeguard. And it's not humility which is false humility before others. See how humble I am. Like that famous story where, you know, in Christianity we have this gospel of humility. Where two priests, three priests are there and one tells God, I am a great sinner. And the other two priests who are watching, he says, see, he believes he is the great sinner. Wait for my confession. (laughs) So, you know, it's like even there is a pride in that. How humble I am. (laughs) Humility means always to be ready to receive, to know that the divine is infinite. How much ever we may know, how much ever we may love, how much ever we may serve, it is never enough. Because he is infinite. Where can be the end of the service until we service, serve her with the last breath and the last heartbeat? We have not served her enough. Even when we have left the body, let it be a service. Can we ever love her enough until we have loved each and every creature upon earth? Can we really say that we have loved you, mother? Can we really say that we know her? That's of course an impossibility. But a little drop of that wisdom, if it can come within us. So this is the way we have to welcome her. And I thought, I'll just read a little passage. Very powerful passage. At one place, Shurabindu says, don't, Plan, scheme, all these things are not important. We may plan everything and we will see that it, she smashes it. What is important is to keep the will clear. This is the goal, to give myself completely to the mother. And it's a lifetime sadhana to give. And she says, don't, and he says that, you know, plans, schemes, these are not important. She will make the plans. You give yourself. She will make the plan. It will be much better than what you can imagine. So give yourself and the rest will follow. Not only he says she will make the plan, she will execute it to the last detail and then to receive life with that gratitude. So this from Bhavani Mandir. We know, you know, Sri wrote in 1908 and um, 
of course leave aside the context and other things it is in context and it beyond context both when you ask who is the mother she says i am the infinite energy which streams forth from the eternal in the world and eternal in yourselves i am the mother of the universe we have enough we have called her mother of shirbindu ashram pondicherry it's okay that's true but she is much much more that is how she opened herself as they say you know the opening scene of savitri <laughs> how does savitri come she comes as the goddess dawn very indirectly shubindra introduces us as to savitri through a symbol the opening scene of savitri where does it end the incarnation thrust aside her veil if you look through and it goes through her human birth everything how does she ultimately reveal herself she reveals herself as the infinite shakti before whom death crumbles his shape and vanishes and then she comes back to her human form so we have to go through that cycle one is to see her only as human then to see her as the infinite shakti in this whole creation and then to see that infinite shakti taking a human form there is a difference between these two one is where we have gone through that process the other is tugging her only as human and then what happens when we do it we make such absurd meaningless statements the mother was born on 21st february 18 73 78 the mother left her body i don't want to use the cruder word that people write on 17th november 1973 she is no more now we are like orphan children this means that all our life we have not really taken the care to enter into her heart who is she can god die can does he ever die if he takes a human birth it simply means that he has come within our range for his grace and for a working on matter and if he withdraws from the side there is a purpose and that purpose is now catch me realize me you know the game of hide and seek god loves to play that so when he comes within the range ah i have caught you i have caught you and he is very happy you have caught me okay fine the next moment like krishna in vrindavan he vanishes he says catch me if you can <laughs> now she becomes vast as the infinite and then when you go you realize you can't catch her so what do you do you just surrender gatistvam gatistvam gatistva bhavani na janami punyam na janami papam kusangi everything all everything stripped and then you say thou art my sole refuge of bhavani then she comes then you see the same human form and you realize who is she who is the mother so he is revealing to us that i am the mother of the universe the mother of the worlds and for you who are children of the sacred land arya bhumi made of her clay and reared by her sun and winds i am bhavani bharati mother of india it has one so beautifully then if you ask why we should erect a temple to bhavani hear her answer because i have commanded it what a beautiful answer why should one take to the supramental yoga or yoga or anything simply because mother says so what is there so complicated about it <laughs> come then hark into the call of the mother she is come she is calling us and what is she asking us she is already in our hearts waiting to manifest herself where did the mother disappear on 17th november 1973 shubindra has answered this beautifully in essays on the geeta he says who gets the fruits of the avatars coming they who are touched and worship in their hearts so she is where has she gone she has entered into every heart 
because that is her truth she has now because she has taken a hold on matter in every heart where she is unwilling herself waiting to be worshiped whom do we worship in our heart that we have to know and find out inactive we say god is in heart but i don't see why because inactive because the god in us is concealed by tamas troubled by her inactivity sorrowful because her children will not call on her to help them <laughs> what a mother she is unhappy why she is unhappy because we don't call her why should we call her to help them as simple as that what will make mother happy just to say ma come 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 ma come come to our life come hold our hand carry us in everything she is unhappy because we don't call her you who feel her stirring within you fling off the black veil of self break down the imprisoning walls of indolence tomorrow 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 next life postpone break down these walls of indolence help her each as you feel impelled there is nothing like we have to do this particular work that work this is what this idea is gone now because it's now become universal work as you feel impelled with your bodies or with your intellect all these are means of our service or with your speech or with your wealth or with your prayers and worship how beautiful how do we help a work pray something so simple so it's not that we have to do some big things organize some big programs by the way that is not mentioned here <laughs> how will you help her work organize a big seminar call the great people from all over the world international seminar you know we have this penchant about international so we must have international <laughs> the divine goes to listen to <laughs> one person sitting in the hut and saying mama he says this is much better <laughs> so how do we help her he is saying with your intellect with your hands with your feet with your speech with your silence through a prayer with a worship all these things see this is the original sanatan dharma patram pushpam phalam toyam when we offer a flower it is yoga when we take a tulsi from samadhi and we feel so happy about it and eat it this is yoga when we touch the sand and feel blessed it is yoga all these little things so he says whatever we each man according to his capacity whatever is given to us according to that we are asked only that much nothing more and nothing less draw not back now very very powerful draw not back for against those who are called and heard her not she may well be wroth in the day of her coming you know people often say you know now i am i have become part of this group that organization in the mother's name please be careful this is very great responsibility as long as you were not there it's okay those whom she called and they heard her not she may well be wroth in her but look the other part she may well be wroth in the day of her coming when she comes and says you are sleeping i give you such a wonderful opportunity to serve me but you are sleeping but to those look at now the beauty of this sentence but to those who help her advent even a little how radiant with beauty and kindness will be the face of their mother even a little swalpamasya dharmasya at one place and so many examples of this shubindu says he who has helped even one human being qualifies to see the face of the eternal so now we have to look at one human but this help means not with ah i have helped <laughs> it's meaningless <laughs> one human being selfless service offered to the mother he qualifies to see the face of the eternal so that's all that is required even little in whatever way even a little how radiant with beauty and kindness will be the face of their mother she doesn't judge us the way we do you know the ashram that somebody took a list mother this 25 people you know why are you keeping all these people she says which people 
these people, who are these people? Okay, I'll give you names. He says, yes, give me names. You know, we have this idea, vaguely we keep. Okay, so next day the person brought the names of 25 people. Mother, see, good for nothing. Achcha? She started taking this person, this, 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 this. <laughs> so they had never imagined. Because she knew what's happening in the heart. It was not about what was happening outside. She doesn't count six hours of work you have ticked. She doesn't look at it like that. The only thing that matters to the divine is what is going on inside in the depths of the heart. All the rest is all crushed. So then at the end, she says, Mother, but this person, 25th person, this person is really useless. She says, you know what? I have seen he fixes stamps on the envelope. How neatly he does it. <laughs> Just fixing stamps on the envelope. That is how the divine sees. He picks up that little grain of... And she tells it about our life in one of her writings. He says, in life, I've seen how uh, wheat is cultivated. No, You'll see a long stalk and you'll see all kinds of things. But the grain of wheat is inside one little dhan. What is it called in you know, covering husk? But for few grains of wheat, you will see a long stalk. So what do these people do when the cultivation time comes? They will pluck it, put it on the road. Why? All the cars that will pass through will break it. <laughs> it's much easier to separate the sharp from the wheat. At the end, what you keep? You keep the wheat grain and throw the shaft to the cattle fodder. That is how it is with life. She says in everything that we do, in every contact that we meet, in every relationship that we encounter, there is a grain of gold. Just tap that. That little grain that the divine, she uses the word ingot. There is a little ingot of gold in everything. Just extract that and the rest is all. It's like the swan water. It will have its purpose. It has served its purpose in the cosmic commerce. Like the shaft goes to the cattle. But the grain of wheat, the divine eats. So at the end of the day, it is not, look mother, I have got truckloads of shaft. You will see, yes, I just want those grains of wheat. How many you have? One grain? You know that story of Sri Krishna? That story has many layers. One of the layer is when Krishna goes to Draupadi and Draupadi says that, you know, because Durvasari has come, that story is many layers. Normally it is recounted in one way that uh, when Krishna comes and Durvasa will come and have food and Draupadi is very tense because Akshya Patri is over. She has eaten. So now nothing more can be cooked. And Krishna reaches that moment and he says, give me something. He says, you have an absurd sense of humor. Durvasa Rishis were not bad enough. Now you have come asking for food. Where will I give? I have already finished. I am waiting for their curse. Says, wait, wait, wait. Show me your patram. And he discovers one grain of rice and he eats. So this story is recounted by saying, for each grain, the whole Brahman is there. That's how it is recounted. But there is a twist in the story. Spin. <laughs> what is the spin? What is Sri Krishna telling Draupadi? There is always something which you can give. Hidden inside the pot. You think you have given everything? No. There is always something you can give. That last bit you give me and he needs nothing else. This is the first twist in the story. The second is, when we offer to the divine, sometimes one little grain of rice is enough. We don't have to give a whole handi. One grain of rice offered with sincerity, with love, with devotion, with faith is enough. So these are the other two. Don't ask me where these interpretations are from. <laughs> but they are other clues. And mother says, when somebody asked her that mother, I have nothing to give. She says, always there is something to give. You can give your thoughts. You can give your feelings. Mother, but they are not good. Doesn't matter. Give it to me. Gatistvam, gatistvam, gatistvam bhavani. Always there is something to give. And then she says, he says, what is needed when she comes? We have spoken about wideness, plasticity, equanimity. But most important thing, he says, strength. 
how are we going to bear the onrush of the Divine Mother? You see, strength is something very interesting. Plasticity and wideness directly, you know, is about strength. The more rigid and the narrower we are, the more we will break down. The ability, this plasticity and wideness, we can bear much more. Strength, here it's not about brute strength. Strength then, and again strength, and yet more strength is the need. But if it is strength we desire, how shall we gain it if we do not adore the mother of strength? So we have to see her as also as the mother of strength and all mights. She demands worship not for her own sake, but in order that she may help us and give herself to us. This is no fantastic idea, no superstition, but the ordinary law of the universe. What is the law of the universe? The law of sacrifice is referring to. It is only in proportion to what we give, it is only in that proportion that we can receive. We want to receive. This is the big malady of man. I want to take, take, take. After a while, it stops. Because this is the against the law of the universe. What is the law of the universe? Give. And if you give, you will receive. It doesn't matter where you are giving. Give it with the idea that it is to the eternal. And see how much more it will come. But if you want only, after a time it will stop. Because this is the law of the universe. Otherwise, the system will break down. So here he is saying it is the law. That's why she is saying give. The gods cannot, if they would, give themselves unasked. Even the eternal comes not unaware upon man. Every devotee knows by experience that we must turn to him and desire and adore him before the divine spirit pours in its ineffable beauty and ecstasy upon the soul. What is true of the eternal is true also of her who goes forth from him. So it's a wonderful uh, occasion to remind ourselves as the city take home points. One take home point is to get rid of the ego, to take this resolve. No more the play of the ego. Let me become only thy child, thy servant, thy slave and whatever else you may want me to become. And the second is to give, 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 give. Give and there is always something more to give. Even if we have nothing, we can't speak, we can't do anything, still we are breathing. And as long as we are breathing, we can give our breath to the divine. As long as the heart is beating, we can give our heartbeat to the divine. Thank you. <laughs>